You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that'll teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to Main Character Energy. At the time of this recording, we're just about a week away from our event at the Aster in LA on March 16th. I'm so excited to be hosting a discussion with fellow creatives and friends, Gabby Ionello of Corporate Quitter, Khalil Dumas of Unstucked, and Hannah and James of Salary Transparent Street. And we are going to explore the best ways to navigate career changes. And so whether that's, you know, wanting to maximize your corporate experience or just say goodbye to your nine to five altogether and pursue entrepreneurship, we got you covered. So if you are in LA, come join us in Hollywood next Thursday. Don't miss this opportunity to learn, grow, take your career to the next level. Or if you just want to kick it with us, (laughs) please feel free to do that too. So I'm going to drop the RSVP in the show notes for you guys to check it out. It's called From Stuck to Success, How to Navigate Taking the Leap and Pivoting Careers. So excited to be back on the West Coast next week. For those of you who don't know, we are now in our de-influencing era. What does that mean? Why is it taking TikTok by storm? So basically, at the end of January, the word de-influencing received almost 160 million views on TikTok. And what the trend is, it's basically denouncing, influencing. Well, the misleading, sketchy, treacherous parts of influencing, let's say. So for example, you know, misleading reviews from beauty influencers, you know, mascara girl that whole thing. Basically, people are sick of being deceived. They're sick of being lied to. And this trend, in my opinion, is so quintessentially TikTok because TikTok, in comparison to all the other platforms and especially Instagram, has this culture of being more real, being more authentic. And so what people are doing now with de-influencing is they're really kind of going back on this idea of overconsumption and buying things just to buy things, which is what a lot of us kind of did in the pandemic. So over the years, the term influencer, it's definitely developed more of a connotation of kind of being like a salesperson. I think the early days of influencing was really centered around, you know, just having a large following and people were kind of realizing that it was such a great alternative to traditional advertising. Of course, people were using a lot of their influence for good, quote unquote, by helping people make like informed purchasing decisions or even find solutions to problems that they had. And as most of you probably experienced, An influencer has definitely probably kind of swayed you to think one way, buy one way, save money in some way. And that was kind of the early days of influencing, right? But now it seems like, you know, influencer marketing has become so popular. There are so many influencers now that, you know, there's like mega influencers that are pretty much almost like celebrities at this point. So as a result, the lines between genuine recommendations 
and paid promotions have become somewhat blurred, and that has led to criticism of the industry as a whole. So honestly, despite the critiques, it's very clear that the influence of social media personalities continues to grow. We're seeing influencers on the red carpet. We're seeing influencers start their own brands and monetize in ways outside of just paid partnerships, but having their own companies, their own house of brands at that. And so I'm very interested to see how this trend develops to come, you know, in the coming years. But let's face it, inauthenticity can be spotted a mile away. I think that when you're scrolling on your feed, you have an instant visceral reaction towards digital advertising and promos because of that. So, for example, I mean, hashtag ad and paid posts, it's like your eyes pretty much glaze over it. And the whole trend with de-influencing on TikTok has really just been people rejecting overconsumption, inauthenticity, you know, rejecting mascara girl for lying about the mascara having the results that she claimed they had, even though she was wearing fake lashes, tisk tisk. But it's also just denouncing people living beyond their means. This is a world where a dozen eggs spiked to $17 in some parts of the country. And so, yeah, there's no wonder that consumers are rejecting this overconsumption. And at that, the mega influencer lifestyle has become so unrealistic. It just feels like some of the influencers that originally were supposed to be the most relatable because they're just like us have become now unrelatable and live luxury lifestyles. The more their star rises, the more unrelatable they become. And this is absolutely no shade. I love to see creators win. I love to see people, you know, create their own empires. But that's just kind of the name of the game now. Like there's definitely a threshold that's crossed over once you become this mega influencer public figure. Because now you're just like the celebrities that we were kind of coming away from. So... Here's the quick and dirty with de-influencing. Clothing hauls are out. We're calling brands out on their bullshit. We're telling consumers what not to buy. And one thing that I noticed is that de-influencing actually really aligns with anti-hustle culture in a sense because it's the idea that the trend cycles move so rapidly and fast that creators have a hard time keeping up. So they're not anymore. And with that, you know, there is something to be said for like, there should be no reason for like a 20 item sheen haul if most of those clothes are going to just like end up in a goodwill anyways, just for some content. But yeah, that's what the TikTokers are talking about for anybody who needed a quick rundown. I'm curious to know how you feel about de-influencing. So we will have a chat about that on social see where you stand. But good versus bad influencers is kind of the name of the game. The connotation behind what an influencer is, is changing. And it's really about, you know, finding influencers who are authentic, who you can trust. So shout out to the influencers and creators who do it for the passion of, you know, their craft, rather than just trying to get a check from every which brand. My next guest is a natural-born business leader, innovator, and HBCU graduate. We're about to sit down with Jordan Weaver, who's the founder of Forefront, which is a marketplace where shoppers and influencers can get paid to share the latest Black brands and products on social media. 
Her mission is to help bring Black businesses to the forefront of the world and to help them become household names recognized across the globe. Okay, I have social impact leader, North Carolina Central University, HBCU grad, Jordan Weaver with us. Jordan, how are you feeling? I am so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. We've been doing a lot of, we've had a lot of discussions lately just about, you know, how we can put our minds together and build community. And it's been really cool getting to know, like, all about your mission. So I'm really happy that I could be here to share it with everybody who might want to support this mission or, you know, want to amplify in any way, or even can just really relate to some of the things that you've been trying to do for the community. So first of all, I love your goal with your company that you founded, Forefront. Your whole mission is to bring Black brands to the forefront and help them become household names. So what made you feel drawn to this work? It really goes back to college days, my good old NCCU, um, I would say HBCU. And just, I think just during that time period, you just get so, you start to learn more about yourself. And during that time, just learning more about just the economic state of the Black community. Very ironically, I went to an HBCU five minutes away from the Black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. So just learning more about that, I was just like, wow, like, Supporting Black businesses is like the number one way for us to build wealth. And I just didn't really see that talked about. Um, This is 2017 before like the big Black business boom when everyone wants to support Black businesses. But I just saw that as a direct correlation to build this Black wealth, generational wealth that we all love to talk about. But nobody's talking about supporting Black-owned brands at that time. So I was very passionate about doing what I could to put my money in my community, supporting Black businesses when I could. But of course, during that time, it was hard to find Black brands in Sephora, Target, even on Amazon, online. So I started a marketplace back in college where it was called the Black Market. Um, and it's really just a place for people to find Black-owned brands. So that's really what started this mission, um, just really seeing how much of an imprint we have economically and how much buying power that we have and just learning about how all of that is always just being pushed into other communities. And I kind of was just like, this is not the way. And I really felt like I was called to this mission to bring Black brands to the forefront. And what that really means is just, like I said, having them become household names and everyone is supportive and not even just the Black community, but that's just a great way for us to generate that wealth and build up a sustainable economy that we all like to dream about and talk about. Absolutely. And you, like you said, you were doing this before it was a trend before there was all this attention on it. And our buying power as a community is insane. I wish I could, I wish I had the stats off the top of my head, but you know, the influence that we have, yeah, the influence that we have is, is major. So just to even get that conversation going early on is really impressive, but you know, I have to say there's been a conversation this Black History Month at the time of this recording, we're right in the middle of Black History Month. There's been a conversation from a lot of creators about people, brands, not really approaching them the way that they did in years past. And I can't help but think about how there was so much support right after the murder of George Floyd and everybody was rushing to do what you essentially started doing years ago. 
but it's getting kind of quiet now. Mm -hmm. You notice that too? Yeah, I do. And I, that's what kind of like gets me amped up a lot because a lot of our community is constantly being used. Our culture is constantly being used. Our trauma is being monetized all the time to their advantage. And it's never necessarily to our own advantage. And I think now our community is starting to wake up to, of course, our impact, but just how much like we're not really reaping the benefits. Like, okay, when George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everyone was kind of like the hot topic, unfortunately, back in 2020, you know, everyone wanted to like, I always say put their money where their heart is, but everyone wanted to do that. But now since it's not trending, so much more is going on. I think now more than ever, it's like really our opportunity to step in as a black community and say, hey, like, I want to do what I can to still support these businesses to use my influence as an influencer and promote black owned brands and keep that dollar circulating. Because honestly, I feel like we don't need those people to do it. Of course, it helps to amplify but we always know it's going to go up and it's going to go down. Like, I think what Forefront is here to do is really just show people how not even just cool it is, but just like there are some dope brands. Like there's no need to necessarily always go outside of your community because we can support them all right here. Right. Um, not necessarily need the support from other people, but it's great to have that support. But just to say we don't necessarily need to depend on it. That's why I love the piece of it. That's, you know, where you say you want to make it a household name. You want to make these brands household names. That is, I think that's a really powerful piece of messaging because it's like, let's make these brands mainstream. There's no reason why a lot of these brands shouldn't be mainstream at this point. Right. And I think a reason why we really gravitated towards each other is because I, we both have been, I, I can tell we're both the type, it's like, we still have our foot on the pedal with, you know, reminding people that buy black 365 every day, this, it wasn't just a trend. This is something that we're still trying to push forth. And at a time where a lot, you know, Black founders are getting even less funding now this year, even I think, what was it like 1% from VCs at this point? I think it's less than, but it's, wow, not good. <laughs> We're going to have to, yeah, I, I'm going to have to look that up. But it's just like, at that point, you know, that's re that really shows and says everything, just like the amount of people who are being reached out to, just like the funding going down. And it is motivation to put to, you know, put these brands to the forefront and to really, you know, tell people and give people a space, like give people a platform, like right. what you're building to shop them easily and accessibly. I really love how Target, you know, there's, there's some brands who actually are, have been consistent with highlighting black voices. Like I've noticed a lot of times I go into Target and you'll see like the black founders story and their faces. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a huge difference to see people's like faces and stories. It does. Because I think a lot of times now, too, like with this whole, I always call it like the black business boom. But there is a lot of question, like, is this really black owned? I'm always constantly like, is this black owned? Is it still mm -hmm. black owned? What's the status of this? But I think that's so important because like I like how Target gives you that story. They're showing you the faces, um, not to just to prove it's black owned, but you're like able to go follow them on Instagram or like really see their journey. And I love mm -hmm. that. And I really support what Target is doing um, because I think also a main part of bringing Black brands to the forefront is like accessibility and just making it easy. Yeah. Sometimes I don't have, you know, two weeks or a week and a half to wait for something to be shipped. If I need, you know, skincare or like, you know, shampoo for my hair, sometimes I need to be able to go directly to Target or support yes. Walmart and get the products that I need. So I'm loving that they're being more intentional. And I think Target is somebody who's doing this very well. They're not just 
doing it because it's trendy. They're still doing it. They're still funding these founders. And it speaks to a lot of people who kind of just stopped. So like, I like how Sephora and Target are doing that very well. They're doing it really well. And we, you know, I've noticed that. So with the forefront, you are, of course, it's you're supporting both sides. So you're supporting the Black brand side, but then the Black creators, I love that you're like bridging that gap and being able to help these creators who are just as passionate about, you know, circulating the dollar in our community and working with brands that are Black owned. I love that that's the ecosystem that you're creating. And I actually was asked this question recently, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Somebody asked me in in a recent interview how brands can best work with Black creators. And I don't know if it's the way the question was worded that kind of got me. But first, I was kind of like, you know, I was thinking the same way you'd work with, you know, any all creators, you know, with respect and paying them and all that. Like, I hope anybody would do that. But then I did think about it a little bit deeper. And I was like, you know, there are simple things that do need to be addressed. Like, you know, when you work with black owned brands, I feel like, you know, or brands that you're aligned with in general, you can find some common ground, maybe like, you know, you can understand each other, you can work with each other well, really kind of make some magic. Um, But I've noticed and I've seen this firsthand with like, working with creators, you know, managing creative talent, one time, I just shared this story earlier this week. One time, there was a brief that came across for a Black woman creator that I work with, um, really talented. Uh, she she makes TikTok videos. Her name's Latoya Irabor. Definitely follow her. But she was asked to to join a campaign where she was supposed to twerk in some jeans Goodbye. for a clothing brand that I won't name. But it was very clear that it was just, for one, it was clear they didn't do their research, right? Like she, her content is, has nothing to do with dancing. She hates dancing. As a matter of fact, it's really all about like self-care and empowerment and dropping generational gems that have been passed down to her, like really inspiring stuff. Yet this brand reduced her to being a black woman who's going to twerk in some jeans and it said a lot to me. Like, I, I love sharing that story because not only does it say you didn't do your research, this this person doesn't align, but it also is like you have the audacity to just assume that. And you can tell there was no Black person in that room. No, oh, for sure. And that, it says a lot. Like, why would you assume just me as a Black woman? I just want to twerk. Like, it's one thing if I'm twerking on TikTok, you know. But That's still, one thing. There's so much that needs to be done. Like you said, treat black creators just like you would pay black creators just like you would anybody else if you wouldn't go ask the top white creator to twerk don't ask a black woman you know like it's um, not simple yeah um so i think that's just a main thing that a lot of us as consumers as one of the top consumer groups in this country we have to really be mindful can never it can no longer just be like oh I'm supporting this brand because it's right here or I'm supporting this brand because I've been supporting it for years. Like who is this brand really? Like, what do they think about me and my community? What are they doing to support us? Because for me, like (laughs) I always say when it comes to like being conscious and like all aspects, it's so hard. So like, I'm very much a socially conscious shopper. I can't just go to Target and just splurge at Target because my conscious is like, no, what, like, who are these brands? What are they doing? Is this even good for me? But I think us as, you know, a community with with $1.6 trillion in buying power, we can't just frivolously spend 
on all these brands and do no research because it goes back to, you know, this whole topic of racism and systemic racism and how we're perceived, even just with the girl wanting to twerk, like a lot of these people aren't doing anything for the black community, but it's so quick and easy for us to promote these brands, these same brands that are like, you know, promoting this type of systemic racism society that we live in. But, you know, it has to go further back than that. It's not just, it's not just having the face of it, but we know that, right? Like it, it reminds me of like the NFL, for example, where, you know, you see a lot of black faces, black talent, like we're like, oh, two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and Rihanna performing like blacky black, black Super Bowl. Cool. But really inside the offices and, you know, bef- you know, of course we know the history. It's like, it's really not what it appears to be. And so I think that was, that would be another thing that I probably, you know, could share when, you know, how to work best with black creators. Well, have some representation, have some people that are on your team that can put some intentional and like thoughtful help, you know, feedback into a campaign instead of being performative. Cause I will say, as much as I heard this conversation about black creators kind of not being reached out to as much, I did also think on the flip side, a lot of times when we are reached out to, it could be very performative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you kind of have to play that, that game. Like, is this worth it? Like, of course there's a check there, you know, of course this can help pay your bills and I'm not going to say turn down a check because, but like, I think it's just a matter of really dissecting the situation I was going to say this, too. Um, I got my master's at UC Irvine, and it's, you know. Not- oh, did you? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't it's realize. not the most diverse. And, really? you know, I don't want to say I was like a token Black girl, because one thing that I went into that with the understanding, okay, you all want to use me for articles and different things like that. And I don't want to say use like in a bad way, but like they approached me for I know exactly articles. What you mean. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like. I don't mind that, but I'm also like use this as a way for to help me grow and help me yes. my name you know, in that. this whole, you know, other state across the country. So I think it has to be in a position where it's always a win-win. Um, you know, of course the check is good, but I think another thing that I always think about, and this is another reason why I really wanted to bring influencers and the influencer marketing industry into forefront, because when you think about all the hottest celebrities and you know, everyone doing these brand deals with a lot of these top companies, you know, great, great checks. But I cannot imagine, you know, some of like the shacks of the world, you know, doing these brand deals with these black owned brands. And yeah, of course, the check might not be as big, but imagine how much dollar, how, how much dollars or how much, you know, visibility you can bring to that brand to take them to the next level. You know what I'm saying? So I think it really has to be that type of consciousness and not to always put that responsibility on these celebrities because at the end of the day we all have to do the work but I think just as much as these celebrities make these white-owned companies hot and popping and you know helping us to you know circulate our dollars within them I think it takes the same amount of effort maybe a little bit less money but like it might be worth it and then you know there's no brand in the Super Bowl like being you know shown on commercials on the Super Bowl. Imagine what that would do, you know? There's so many firsts still. Like, there's so many still to be had, and we don't see that enough. Still yet to come. That is definitely one of my, like, I don't (laughs) don't really say this a lot, but that's definitely one of my biggest goals for Forefront. One day I want to have, like, a Super Bowl commercial or something where we're, like, really highlighting these brands. 
but yeah, that's, I love that. I love that goal. That's a great goal. And this is a lot of, you know, of course, and it building a business, building a vision, building a platform and something bigger than just a business. It's a lot of work and it's, it's a lot of work, especially in this space where, you know, you are trying to amplify black voices and it's something that takes some patience but what keeps you inspired? Like what keeps you going when you're not feeling it or when you're feeling like, you know, odds are against you, whatever it may be. So what keeps me going is like definitely the vision. And I'm very spiritual. Like I really feel like what I'm building is very um, divine, but also like in a sense, like destined for me, like this is something that God put me on earth to do. And I truly believe like if I do not pursue forefront or like some of the goals that I have through forefront or outside of forefront, like the black community is not going to be what it needs, you know, where it needs to be. And not to say it's just me doing it. So many other people doing the work, but I do have that feeling like this is something that our culture, our community needs to really push us forward. And I think like just the visions and the plans that I have are very distinct to a point like I have to do this because I see how it's going to impact our communities. I feel I see exactly how, you know, we're going to create million dollar, billion dollar brands. And like, that's something that like, I feel like we need to do. If I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. And if nobody else is going to do it, we're going to, I think there's a, um, a statistic for like 2053 that the black, the estimated black wealth is supposed to be 0%. Like we'll have zero wealth essentially. And like, that's something that really, wow, like that's a no for me. So when I'm thinking about, pursuing forefront and everything else like I'm thinking about that zero percent like there's no way I'm gonna let that happen so that's really what really drives me like I cannot see our people continue to be like exploited and absolutely not just I'm in shock yeah so it's crazy to think about because you think about like we're already at the bottom of the spectrum in 20 30 years like it could be worse than this like no we got to fix up and yeah there's no other way to do it to me than to support black brands like there's no reason why 1.6 1.9 trillion is not at least half of that is not circulated within our community so that's just my mission my my passion that's what keeps me going just like what that would mean for like my grandkids and not even just my grandkids I think when you have a vision it can't just be for you and your family it's like who outside can really benefit so like that's really what I see I just want I want more for our community generational wealth just, yeah, all that. I mean, like you said, keeping the dollar in our community and there's no reason why that shouldn't be, especially when we have opportunities now that generations before us never had, including us having our platforms here. Like I know, you know, we both feel like we need to do our part and we feel called to it. I definitely can relate to that. Where even in, you know, not this isn't a small way, but it, I was about to say in a small way. I really remember when I first started working with Black creators, it was because I couldn't stand seeing these really bad contracts and these really bad negotiation and deals going down and nobody advocating for it or nobody there to be like, hey, no, I've seen some other creators get paid this or, you know, this should be in your contract. Like they're really exploiting you. I've seen some, you know, creators who from the same company One company, you know, paying another creator substantially, but then paying another Black woman creator, we're already as Black women, you know, the pay disparities that we have. So this that same conversation comes into the creator economy, 
when you see people, you know, getting paid in exposure or commissions or being asked to produce like 10 videos for a hundred dollars, which is like, I still hear it a lot. And I think that got me going to, to really be like, Hey, if in any way I can try to call people out, I will like, even with the, um, working grief, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to now I used to be like, I don't know. I think it hit me one day where I was like, that's my calling. There's a lot of things that I feel called to, but even that I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to blow the whistle. I want to be a whistleblower. And um, I, I responded to that twerking brief, just, le- just telling them about themselves really in a, in a way that I hope just stays in the back of their mind and, and, and moving forward. Like I do have time. I used to be like, I don't have time to respond to that. I do have time actually, because yeah. we have to do these Nobody does things. like who will, you know, exactly. And I think like a lot of these corporations, like they feel like they're doing a good deed or like they're doing charity or whatever the case is. Like we have our black person of the month, whatever the case is, but like we don't necessarily need you. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's when it really takes a lot of courage to turn down that check or to, you know, step out and speak on it. Because if you don't, they're going to continue to do that. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's why I'm so like passionate about what we're doing and I feel like we're really innovating this space or like really bringing black brands and creators together to work together to push forward these black brands. So one day, one day we can have these black, you know, makeup companies as big as the L'Oreal's, as big as the Mac, whatever you want to call it, where these black creators don't need to go there. You know, they don't have to get anymore. Um, So and they don't have to, you know, go for a lesser paycheck. Like my goal is for these brands to like really, you know, become these huge paying brands that they can really pay these creators industry level um pay so that's really what it takes sometimes i think you have to kind of be that sacrifice in a sense and be okay and not look at it as a sacrifice like this is what i'm doing for my community but i think it's like on both parties to make sure that you're able to deliver that value so that you know in turn it can continue to grow and you know pay for it and you know what not all money is good money and sometimes it's okay. Like you got to take a stand in, in some ways. And it's hard to say that when you're growing and you're trying to build a platform or you're doing this on the side and all of that. But hopefully these other situations and, you know, there have been so many creators like at the beginning of this who kind of are paving the way, just like these brands are, who are paving mm-hmm. the way for the rest. So I really find comfort in that. Like I think about um, Jackie Aina and like even Tabitha Brown, like I think of some, some of those creators who have, I mean, even Tab, even Tabitha Brown actually just made a TikTok like three years ago. Yeah. I know Jackie's been doing this for a while, but it's mm-hmm. crazy to see their impact. But even she has talked about being like, when I first started this, I did not know what I was doing. I was making pennies and it's like, there's no literacy regulation behind this. So right. I think it's also cool for you to be at the forefront of the creator economy to start normalizing these things like you're really a trailblazer in that way and it might not seem like it because like you said you're just doing the work you're just doing what you're called to do but i i think you're definitely a trailblazer in this space so that's that's exciting but right now at this point what do you feel like you want to step into this year with forefront what is kind of like what do you feel like is the next step for you the next step is launching our marketplace. So I know I didn't really speak on it in the beginning, but our marketplace is launching very, very soon. And what that marketplace will be, it's more like an affiliate marketplace. So it's a place where shoppers and influencers can come on 
and shop for dope brands just like you would any other marketplace. But the goal is for you to actually be able to get paid to share these brands. So I know for me, mm. just being an, a huge advocate and supporter of Black-owned brands, I might go to Target or Sephora or, you know, shop with a brand online and promote it for free, which I don't mind. But right. understanding that you need to pay Black creators, I saw that there was a gap um, for these for people like me who like to support and promote these brands online to get paid, right? Because I know a lot of people look to me, Jordan, like people come to me, do you know any black owned brands for this, that, and the third? So people look to me, you know, as a resource for black brands. So I know I can add a lot of value to these brands. And I know there are other people just like me who love to support black brands. When they when yeah. they bring you some sales, right? So with Forefront, it's a place where shoppers and influencers are able to shop for Black brands, but also get paid to share with their audience, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on Instagram, Pinterest, if you have a blog or a podcast, however you reach your audience and you're able to share your favorite Black-owned products and get paid commissions every time someone makes a purchase from your audience or your affiliate link. Yeah. So um, that's really what it is. And our marketplace is set to launch soon. And that's really like my main focus right now is just really bringing the most value that we can for influencers and brands. And that's really like where our focus is. So we're working on building up an influencer program just to really make sure that these influencers have the resources, the tools, the knowledge about this industry so that they can go and be profitable and monetize their audience. And Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I love about Forefront is like, you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of followers. You're able to I have like 2,000 followers myself. You hear that, y'all? You don't have, have 7,000. Wait, wait, wait. All right, lie. I have 7,000, <laughs> but my views are like okay. 2,000. It's not like that. You know what I'm saying? So someone like me, I can pro- promote a product and, you know, earn some cash. And I think that's what it's really about because a lot of these platforms, you know, they make it hard for you to even begin working with brands. You have to have 10K or 50K, whatever the case is. Yes, a lot of people don't part. have that. But I think now is the time for like the micro influencer that micro creator because they have the value they have you know that many fan base to really be able to monetize and sell products and you know things like that they have that rewarded for it the incent like the incentive behind it is is brilliant because it's like the amazon marketplace but make Mm -hmm. it black Uh, so that's what's up especially for these emerging creators like you said who don't always get that opportunity or you know there's other platforms there's plenty of platforms you could sign up for and a lot of them will be like you have to have this money you have to have that money and it's really discouraging to be turned away like that and on top of that these these emerging creators or micro creators nano influencers have like such close ties with their audience Mm mm-hmm it's silly not to work with these like talented, talented influencers. Because I think a lot of brands, like they just think the more eyes, the better, but that's not necessarily true. Like for me, like I said, I might get a thousand or 2000 views on like a reel or something, but for a smaller brand, like that's all they need. Like they don't need 50,000 people going to their website. Of course it'd be great, but they might not be able to handle that demand. So I think we're being very innovative in this space of like who we're targeting because you know, we're not targeting the biggest, you know, million, billion dollar brands. We're targeting these smaller up and coming brands that are just looking to get their break on TikTok or Instagram. Like they just need a few influencers to come be their champions and push their products. And that's also what I love about Forefront because it's not just a place where you're coming, oh, I need a check. So let me, you know, just, you know, find this partnership. It's not like that. You have to really try these brands out, purchase the product, you know, really become that champion for that brand, like try it out. You love it. 
hey, now I'm going to share with my audience and really give an authentic and real review or recommendation so my followers know it's real. Uh, me, for example, I know exactly when an influencer is just like doing it for a check. Like you didn't even try that product. You it's you don't want that. it out so easily these days. Exactly. So I think a lot of brands are doing themselves a disservice, undercutting the micro influencers because like we yes. said, like those are the ones that have that tribe, that community. They have that trust and that loyalty with their audience. So that's really who we want to, you know, target. But also like larger influencers, like what you said before, there are still large black creators that are not getting paid. They're getting a, a good check, but it's not as much as their white counterpart. So even with that, we still see an opportunity for like people with larger followings to be able to, you know, still monetize and see benefit in it. Because anybody who has an Amazon storefront, like they're able to just tag products. Hey, try this out for my Amazon store. Forefront right. has the exact same thing where creators can have their own forefront shop where they can link all their products have it in their bio, their followers can, you know, go to it, purchase from it, and they get paid. So everyone can, everyone, everyone wins the income. And it's successful. It's really a win-win-win, like you said, everyone wins. I love it too, because, you know, I'm, I'm just over here, like nodding my head because I am screaming quality over quantity from the mountaintops, talking to everybody, talking to the brands, the creators, the consumers. It's like you really want to be have those few engaged champions of your brand. And even on the other side of the creators, have a few brands under your belt to work with. That can change the course of everything for these business owners and creators. Like it, it literally changes their whole trajectory to have a few campaigns to show up under the belt. It gives them that leg up to continue on. So we know how important it is to you know nurture emerging talent. So I love that you do that. I love that. So I also want to know, you know, as you're getting into this work and we talked about a little bit about like what keeps you going, what keeps you motivated, but as a like entrepreneur, creative, how do you, you know, do you have a specific routine or how do you kind of keep the momentum going? Um, I know that, you know, in this in this area of innovation, you really have to take care of yourself. You have to keep your ideas fresh. You have to stay inspired. So what do you kind of do for you? Do you have a specific self-care activity? Do you have a certain routine? Because I know you're juggling a lot of things. Yeah, I'm actually working on getting more into a routine, but also like doing things, more fun things and being more intentional about just like putting work to the side, you know, it's a Saturday, go hang out with friends, go do something. So I'm really working on incorporating that more into my schedule. Girl, I think it's hard. Time, especially nowadays, like, um, especially when you just have a vision period, like you just yes. like, you cannot stop until you see it. But I think that's just, you know, in a sense, it can be very unhealthy. Um, and sometimes if you're creative, it gives you creative block, like, you know, you're trying to just force it. So I think it's so important to find ways to step outside of the work. There's some days I try to like on Saturdays, it's like, don't do work. You know, I might do something, but like, I really try to have one day off. Like, and again, I'm very spiritual and religious. Like, I believe we should have a Sabbath day where we're like, you know, a hundred percent, you know, Sundays, I don't want to be looking at anything. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be immersed in work. Like it's hard because I know we go into the week, but like, you really have to give yourself that time to not only like have the day to not be working, but a day when you're not even just doing nothing. But yeah. that's hard sometimes. And like you said, when you're so have this vision and you're like thinking about all the things you can do. And like, that's, I think that's why I journal more now because I'm like, let me just get these ideas down. And I keep telling myself, 
I can come back to them. I don't have to do it right this moment. <laughs> That's so key. And I always say this is like my favorite law of the universe. Um, I think I got it from the book, Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. Yes. Chopra. Great book. Yes. And one of my favorite books, but one of the laws, one of my favorite laws is like the law of detachment and like how it's okay to just let go and trust that like God of the universe is going to bring it to you. Like your work is going to pay off. You don't have to like work, 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 work. You can work, work hard. Like, of course, you know, don't like downplay yourself, but like, all right, this was a great week. I did a lot of great things. You know, today was a great day. I didn't accomplish everything, but I'm going to just take a chill pill. Try again tomorrow. Like just you burn yourself out. A lot of times, like, a lot of people don't talk about this, but sometimes like when we're working, 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 it might, and of course, like you're working hard, but it might even be that like, do I trust myself? Like, are you constantly working because you have a fear? Like if you stop, like, it's just like not going to happen. And I think that's, what's really important. Like understanding like what's for you is for you. This vision that I have is going to get brought into fruition. So like, I'm, it's going to take a day off. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, it's it not going to be the end of the world. You nailed it. We definitely sometimes as Americans, I would say, um, or living in America in general, you, we put a lot of value in our work. Like we get wrapped up, we get wrapped up in it, like put our worth with the work. And Mm -hmm. so you're right. Like separating it is so important. And just like we were saying earlier, we're like, Oh, it's been a long week. Like, I don't even remember what I did this week, (laughs) but, but like that just made me, you just, you saying that made me just think that I will be intentional. I'm going to try to do this you know, moving forward when I remember to, to just kind of look back and look at the things I checked off on my list and be like, Mm -hmm. I moved the needle in some way this week. Even if you're doing one thing, I had a mentor say like, even if you do like one thing that's driving your business forward, like one intentional thing, whether it was sending any, it could be sending one email. It could be writing down some ideas. It could be scheduling one meeting. Like you did something to move the needle forward and you're successful for doing that. Yeah. And I think even to that point, too, like with a lot of detachment, it's like, again, going back to you trusting yourself and like it's not a constant thing on your mind. Like, oh, my God, I got to do this. I got to do that. Yes. Like be productive. But also when you look back on your goals, like maybe you wrote down like your goals for the year, like top of the year and you go and look back the end of the year, like, oh, shoot, like I literally did some great stuff this year. Like, you know, let me give myself a pat on the back versus being in the work forgetting about it, not praising yourself. It's like, what is it even for? And I think that's what entrepreneurs need to really remind ourselves of because a lot of times we can get caught up in the hype, caught up in just, you know, the social media, just all that kind of stuff where like we have to look like we're working hard. And, you know, I I really love this whole soft life era. Like, I don't feel like I'm quite stepping into that just yet. But like, (laughs) I think it's a beautiful thing because it lets people know like it's more to life than working hard, going after and getting money. It's like, what I what did I do to take care of myself? Did I even like give myself a, a you know a hand clap? Like those are right. the things because you can work for the next 40, 50, 60, 70 years and like look back like dang, I didn't I didn't even enjoy it. I didn't do anything. That's that's a real thing. Um and I love this conversation because I think not a lot of us talk about it or a lot of us like kind of skim by it, but I've been asking this question to a lot of other entrepreneurs so that we are intentional. Cause I know even when I quit my job in 2021, thinking like thinking that my life would be soft life. I basically was like, I'm going to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Do this. And, and I honestly was still keeping some of those like hustle culture values, whether I knew it or not. 
because I was, you know, just trying to make sure things were working and <laughs> trying to make sure, you know, I had money coming in, things like that. But then it kind of occurred to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like I really didn't do much for myself. So then I, I remember starting to be like, I'm going to get back into like, you know, just doing certain retreats where I just get my mind right and taking some time off. And I was starting this year off like that, but it really does take actual intention because you could be just grinding, grinding, grinding. Then you look back and it's like, yeah, I did not celebrate any win. I didn't do that thing. Like where you put your wins in a folder. Oh yeah. I got to start putting my wins in that folder. Yeah. Or like a box or something. I think box or something like whenever, and I think that's so good. And I want to be more intentional about stuff like that because like, there's just so much more to life. And when you really sit back and think about it, I, of course, I think we all have a purpose in life. And I think as long as you're going after something that you're passionate about or like you're walking in your purpose, it's always going to, you know, be a good thing. But a lot of times people don't know their purpose. So they're just chasing a check or chasing paper. And I think, you know, a lot of times we got to just sit and just like, it's so much more than this. Like, like what's your why? Like, yeah, like, what is your why? If you're if you're going after paper and you have a reason why and like you're passionate about it and it makes sense, it's not just supporting you. It's like, you know, so many people are going to benefit from it. Like, I think that's when it's so important. But I think that's what I really challenge a lot of people to do is like tap into your purpose. And I think that goes into what we talked about earlier with like creators. Like, do I take this paycheck or not? Like, not all money is good money. So I think when you're always aligned with your purpose, it's easy to say yay or nays to certain things because it's not going to serve me. It's not going to do anything for my big, my bank account. It's not going to do anything for my well-being, for my business, you know? So I think that's what we should always like. Check in, check in and ask yourself, is this aligned with my purpose? And alignment is, is like, that's going to be my 2023 word alignment. Yes. If it's not an alignment, it's not for me. And I think the more you put that to the forefront, the more you, <laughs> the more you actually can keep going and not feel as lost because I know you know as entrepreneurs you know we're always looking for clarity yeah. <laughs> all the time. And I think honestly that is so true, and I can tell you from experience, like with Forefront, being in this startup world and this VC space, you even just being an entrepreneur. Period. You get so caught up in what other people say and their opinions and you know, okay, maybe I should do it like this or that. I remember and this is something we've talked about too offline, but like, you know, having this question, um, will I make Forefront like bigger than just, or expand outside of just black home brands? And if so, at what point? And I remember I was a part of this program. Um, I did one of the Techstars accelerators or their founders catalyst programs. And I was really feeling like I needed to, make forefront something that I was not passionate about, which was, you know, my passion right now is focusing on black owned brands and how can we bring black brands to the forefront? Like that's plain and simple. But I got into this program and I was like, I don't know if like people keep telling me it's not a big enough market. It's not like, but I can start there and I can grow this company. I can build our community up and really build something great for our community that has never been done. I'm not going to say it has never been done, but never been done like this. The way so, you, you, know, you can't let so many people get in your head where they, you know, change your idea to a point. Because when it got to that point, like I really had a whole like pivot and like I was trying to make my business something that it was not. And I did not have any motivation. I was just like, it just was a disconnect. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I think I need to go back to black owned businesses because this 
is a vision that I have for like, it's so much further than what it is right now. So like, I see my people being the main ones benefiting and I don't want to like leave that astray. So like, I think that's so important, like having your passion and your purpose and doing everything that's in alignment with it, because people will try to take you off your grind or just take you off that, that road and you're going to be stuck. Like what's happening? You're confused. You're just like, um, I think that's what a lot of people need to do is just check internally. Like, am I following my purpose? Where did I drift off and get back to it? Absolutely. Because when you do a lot of consumption, you're hearing a lot of different things, like you could be swayed either way. So that's definitely a good way to bring you back. If it starts to feel like a job or a chore, then you're going to stop. You're not going to be wanting to do anymore. So I couldn't agree with that more. And I want to just share before we wrap up that we have been in talks about, you know, creating more spaces for Black creators and business owners. So I want everyone to keep an eye out for that. We are talking about, you know, hosting a series of Twitter spaces. So starting next month, we want to start to kick it off. We'll be kind of talking about different things like affiliate marketing and building influence and building your brand as a creator. Um, And I'm looking forward to bringing a lot of great Black voices to the spotlight and giving them a platform to be able to share their story. So I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. I'm really excited. I've been talking to a few friends about that. I think it's really going to be something different because as big as this market is, like I feel like that's a great opportunity for us to really start to build that community outside of, I know there's like a lot of Facebook groups and things like that, but I want to really bring forefront position forefront in a way that we can really, like you said, kind of be trailblazers, but like we're really building up a community, giving these influencers everything that they need to be successful and monetize because a lot of people like who are not in this space, they just think, Oh, it's influencers. But like, no, this is a $16 billion industry for one. (laughs) People talk are about it. their jobs to become influencers. Companies are paying billions. And I just read this. I don't know if we talked about this, but Facebook and Instagram are like missing. They're losing billions of dollars from ads because so many companies are tapping into influencer marketing and influencers. So like this is a huge industry, game changing industry. And I think it's only going to grow with the recessions coming up and the layoffs and just this the great resignation and everything. So like, this is the time for influencer marketing and affiliate marketing. And this is the time for Forefront to really, really just become a, you know, a change marker in this space. So I'm really excited for what we're going to do and the conversation that we're going to have with this, the Twitter space opportunity. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Many more great conversations. You are definitely in your purpose. This is the perfect time for Forefront and for you to be sharing your voice in the space. Um, I think you're a badass. You definitely have that main character energy and I can't wait to (laughs) see more from you. So thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow on social at Tifferdie and Main Character Energy Pod to access exclusive content and get a behind-the-scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.